0: from Utrecht, this is Bitcoin Explained. There you go, shorts How are you? Excellent. Back in good old Utrecht, we were both in London, That's uh, right. planning to record some episodes there, but then everybody got COVID.
1: Yes, and also it's a conference, so it's always a bit difficult to record. So
0: back in Utrecht, and we're going to discuss a blog post, well, we're going to Discuss a concept that was described in a blog post by Jameson Lop. That's right. Uh, he, w- he actually published a couple of blog posts about backwards compatibility, I guess, or sink in old notes. That's really what the what the blog posts were about. Exactly. Yeah, so Bitcoin Core, of course, br- uh, releases two new clients each year, or at least two, two new major releases each year, right? Yeah, roughly. And uh, these blog posts were... Uh, about syncing older Bitcoin Core nodes to see how fast they would actually sync to the current chain tip, right? That's right. And yeah. I think you've done similar research a couple of years ago, is that right?
1: Yeah, so back in 2017, um, what I did was I took a couple of Amazon AWS machines, <clears throat> so these are just cl- cloud machines, mm-hmm. and installed different versions of Bitcoin Core on those machines, and then just have them sync the the Bitcoin blockchain, as far as possible. And then I would just measure how long it would take and those pretty big differences. And he's he's basically done that again, uh, probably slightly different, but the same idea and with more recent versions. Right.
0: Yeah, And, I, and I, also
1: with some older versions.
0: Yeah, so to be very specific, I already mentioned this, but uh, there were basically two blog posts by Jameson And the first one was really about syncing old nodes. And I would say the second one was actually mainly about backwards compatibility and forwards compatibility, which, you know, it's a related issue.
1: Yeah, and he also zoomed in on um, some of the really old nodes, specifically, like the versions 0.3, 0.4, 0.5, from many, many years ago, and how difficult it is to get these things to work at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, that's the backwards compatibility part, right?
1: Yeah, arguably. I mean, we can get into whether it's backwards compatibility or whether it's some other problems that he was running into.
0: Which we will get into. Yes. All right. First of all, for the people that don't know this, what does that actually mean? What is backwards compatibility? or uh, short forwards compatibility because sometimes the terms are sort of used interchangeably or do Yeah.
1: They... So I'm also going to be sloppy about it. The the general idea is that you want uh you don't want to force people to upgrade their nodes at least definitely not immediately. So older nodes should work well with newer nodes and if you know if you change if you do this off fork, you know, the 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 new nodes will be able to the old nodes will just keep working fine while everybody well other people upgrade to a new node. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So, like I mentioned, Bitcoin Core releases two new major releases every year, and the goal is that these new releases won't fall out of sync with older nodes, or the other way around, depending on how you look at it. The the goal is to keep everyone in consensus, right, right. including older nodes. Why do we think this is? Why do we think this is important?
1: Well, it's it's a very you know the multiple reasons for it because you want to keep the system as voluntary as possible um there might be reasons why people are worried about installing new versions of, of bitcoin core maybe you know they want more people to review it you know if if suddenly you have only 2 days to upgrade your node maybe there's some malware in it but you, if you wait a year it's more likely somebody would have already found it yeah or well, maybe uh, you it's wanna... also just not maybe not possible to upgrade maybe you're busy doing other things you know
0: yeah maybe you want to fetch the code yourself right yeah like it's at least possible someone might want to do that and that can take a little bit of time and therefore it's important that they can keep using Bitcoin in the meantime
1: yeah and and companies you know that are running exchanges and whatever they might be busy. they don't necessarily have you know <clears throat> they don't necessarily can do everything for you on January first of some year. Um, so it's nice if they don't have to upgrade, though it's always a good idea to upgrade because you tend to stay up to date on security fixes and performance improvements.
0: Yeah, I would argue there's also kind of uh, before we and we'll move on, move on after this. But I I would argue there's also kind of a philosophical reason. Like w- in our previous episode, we were discussing like very hypothetical situations where there's a chain split, and like if you ha- if if you're if you if you're asking the question what is actually Bitcoin, then it makes sense that older nodes that they are are if they are still syncing. You know, someone never upgraded their node. Why wouldn't that be Bitcoin, right? That that was a big theme during the block size wars. Like, can you just change the protocol? And there was this argument about backwards compatibility. That you know, that it's a philosophical argument that if old nodes still think, then obviously that that's still Bitcoin, right? Yeah,
1: and but as we'll find out now, there's some nuance to that argument because trying to run a node from uh, twelve years ago is uh, not possible, probably
0: for sure. Well, let's get into that. Right now, I think, let's let's start there. So uh, Jameson did these experiments with some older nodes. And when we say older, how old are we talking?
1: I think as old as 2012, maybe even 2011.
0: Yeah, that era, 2011, 2012, 2013. uh, It was pre-Bitcoin 0.7. Right. I, I think yep. he, which one's the tryout four five six seven
1: uh, even 3. three
0: three four five six seven or three four five six in this latest um, could be blog post right yeah so and these did not sync
1: did all of them not sync um I think um, at least until 0.5 he could not get to sync right so and that that also reflects my own experience when I tried that in 2017.
0: Notes older than .5 will not sync.
1: .5 wouldn't sync either.
0: Right. Okay. So and then we get into some of the reasons, as far as we can tell, because my reading of the blog post is not entirely clear every time why exactly. It, it's clear where the node stop syncing, but it's not necessarily clear why exactly it stops syncing. Is that right?
1: Um. Yeah. But we can get into some of the reasons, and uh, eventually we'll we'll find out that with .5, like. I wasn't able to sync it all the way. He wasn't able to sync it all the way. But there's some recent developments that may still there may still be ways to get it to sync. Okay. But we don't simply don't know yet.
0: okay. so what what are what are Where yeah. does it stop? or what's the reason as far as we know? What's the story here?
1: Yeah. so there's a couple of things that, and uh, those really all boil down to the theme of dependencies. So that's a, that's a fun topic always.
0: I think we discussed this in a previous episode, but maybe you should Very, quickly. very long
1: time ago. So our very first episode, I think, or maybe the second episode, we talked about dependencies like OpenSSL and and how, you know, when, when those dependencies change... So just very
0: basic. What is a dependency?
1: Or a library, yeah. So so dependency is a piece of software that you include in your software, basically. So in the case of OpenSSL... It's a it's a very well known dependency. Uh, it's a cryptographic library, so it means that Satoshi did not have to implement all of the uh, elliptic curve cryptography. He could just pick. Op- he could just in you know use OpenSSL and let it handle all the uh, cryptography.
0: Right. So OpenSSL is being developed by another group of developers, and their code is essentially used in Bitcoin Core. That's right. And then. It's called a dependency or you, the problem is if these other developers change something that might affect your own software, right? That's sort of the problem.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and this can be especially a problem when the dependency secretly or not secretly, but like accidentally imposes rules that you don't know are rules. Right. And uh, well, there's a couple of, there's probably three different incidents of that historically, at least three. I, um, you mean
0: in Bitcoin or? Yeah, in Bitcoin. Yeah,
1: okay. I mean, in general, dependencies, of course, cause all sorts of headaches. I think it was in the news uh, last week that somebody in the NPM, the uh, Node Package Manager, which is a JavaScript library that a lot of any any website that looks even a little bit fancy probably uses that in the background. And it turns out that if you were a developer and you were based in, in uh, Russia or Belarus, uh, your computer would get wiped if you updated the dependency. So, dep- uh-huh. dependencies are a nightmare in general, but we, we won't go into too much uh, detail about that nightmare.
0: Yeah, let's stick to the Bitcoin. Yeah, so for Bitcoin,
1: um, <clears throat> we can start with one dependency, which is called Berkeley DB. Uh, Berkeley DB is a database uh, technology that was initially used to store, I think, information about the UTXO set, or at least information about Bitcoin transactions. So, the node was using that, that dependency, which is built by other people. And when the Bitcoin blockchain was small, when blocks were small, um, these, you know, every block would just add a bunch of transactions to the database. I'm kind of simplifying it partially because I don't know the precise details. But let's say a block contains 100 transactions, and it would just add those 100 transactions to the database, and the database would be happy. However, it turns out that if you crank up the number of transactions you start putting in the database, so if the blocks get bigger, at some point the database won't. Allow you to add these blocks. Um, however, that never happened in practice because Bitcoin switched to a new database type in about t- 2013, uh, called LevelDB. Right. Now the pr- and this LevelDB, you know, was it's much faster, and there was other reasons why it was better. Uh, but what happens is at that point, blocks started getting even bigger, and LevelDB had no problem with it. But because we said we want to be back compatible. Some people were still running nodes that used Berkeley DB, and those nodes started causing problems because they started hitting those limits, and so the database would say, "Hey, this this block is too large," kind of.
0: Right. So if a big block, and by big we mean one megabyte, I guess, or maybe close to one megabyte,
1: yeah, or even you know, three hundred kilobytes. I don't know where the where where it went wrong, but
0: whatever it was, if a big block would have been mined, say in twenty twelve, would that have meant that Bitcoin core nodes it wasn't even called bitcoin core back then bitcoin nodes then would have crashed is that sort of i think they would have
1: not have crashed but they would have rejected the block but it was worse than that because it was not deterministic so it's it's like some bitcoin core nodes would have stopped and others would not have um so because you were hitting internal basically internal intricacies of the database package it wasn't like a clear coded limit Uh, i just running into the internal magic and so what ended up happening was a, a short change split um, where the decision was made to undo the update. And then everybody was told to either update to a new version of Bitcoin Core or uh, change a slight setting in, in that database. Right. But, but
0: my question, and, I, and you've answered it, but just <laughs> to be clear, essentially what you're saying is there was actually a problem in Bitcoin clients back then. We just never notice it because all all blocks were almost empty or very small. Yeah. And only if you start to try to sync it now, now the blocks are big. It's that the problem is really revealed. So there was well, kind uh, of a bug in old nodes, right? Yeah, that- but
1: it it got revealed as soon as they upgraded it. And my guess would be that you know the miners are also running the same software to create the blocks, and so they wouldn't have created those big blocks in the first place. So maybe that's why it happened at the same time, or maybe uh, you know it could have been deliberate but it turns out that had had that upgrade not happened we would have run into another bottleneck in that same software later on and that's what J- me i think both me and jameson ran into that if you keep the, running that is, old this, software, sorry
0: this is the same dependency also berkeley db yeah. we're so, still talking about berkeley so db so if you stick
1: to berkeley db if you decide you know you're you're you you go back in your time machine to 2013 you say you know what i don't want to install this update i'll just change this configuration as people recommend and then i'll just keep going if you do that, then I think in 2015 or something like that, you start running into blocks that will s- still crash your database, and that's the the new development where um, I posted a question on Stack Overflow uh, years and years ago asking, "I'm run, you know, I can't get past this block with this old version of the software. Can anybody help?" And nobody replied to that until yesterday. Andrew Chow actually replied to it and had some suggestions on how to get past those error messages. This is why it's still a mystery. We it's possible that with a few other changes in the settings, um, you know, it might still be able to reach uh, the tip of the modern blockchain. But my guess is it will run into other limitations in that database because it's just not been tested with the giant blockchain that we have today.
0: Right. Okay. So again, like the previous example, essentially there was always a problem in Bitcoin. Co- in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. code back then and it was just never revealed because the blocks never were created that were big enough to actually yep. reveal the problem exactly it's only if you sync an old note that the problem will reveal itself so we've had two of these problems two twice we've the had problem... one
1: that people really noticed it in the wild that caused an actual split and we've had one that you can notice yourself if you if you try to use very old software
0: Right, and you mentioned there might be even more if we get past this new block and someone tries thinking again and yep. new problems. So basically this Berkeley DB database, that was kind of a problem and we got rid of it and now the new nodes perform better for that reason. Yeah. Is that right?
1: Yeah, and so there's a second dependency that's that's been a cause of headaches and we have discussed that one in the earlier podcast, That is Open SSL.
0: We discussed it in this podcast, I think, yeah. a minute ago. But, but specifically
1: the problem there is that OpenSSL, the very old versions of OpenSSL, so the ones that Satoshi installed, those were very permissive in terms of how the signature could be encoded. So you couldn't make a fake signature, but you could, you know, the way you write a signature down, it could have like 75 characters or maybe more. And later versions of OpenSSL said, no, 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 we're going to make it more precise. You have to only use, I don't know, 73 characters for your signature and no more. And it happened to be, if I understand correctly, that there never was any any uh, signature with that many characters in practice. No, no, I think there was. So, um, let me see if I get the problem. So, <clears throat> yeah. So I think there was a signature that was bigger, but nobody ran into the problem because if you had installed an old version of Bitcoin Core back at the back in the day, you would have had the old version of OpenSSL, and therefore you would have been able to sync just fine with these, these bigger signatures. But if now you, install, you try to install that old version today on a modern computer, you're going to have a modern version of OpenSSL and you're going to produce a version of Bitcoin Core that will not accept these old blocks.
0: Right, yeah. So this is kind of the opposite problem as the previous one. The previous problem we just mentioned with Berkeley is essentially that Bitcoin Core clients were always, you know, they always had these bugs essentially, but the bugs were never revealed because blocks were never big enough to reveal them. And now the problem is kind of different because Jameson was doing these tests. He had to rebuild old clients. And yeah. while he was rebuilding the old Bitcoin Core clients, the only way he knew to do it or was by... I don't know how this works. Yeah, you he was using this. the
1: most recent version of the dependencies. Yeah,
0: so then you get a new dependency. So now we have sort of the original dependency problem that I discussed is that the, dep- the dependency changes and now the original client doesn't work anymore. However, yep. so here the problem would be the opposite way that if you were still running that old software, you never changed it, you're still using your old computer from 2012 or whatever, you would still actually sync to the current blockchain yep. because then you're also still using these this old OpenSSL code, right? Yeah,
1: and in fact, there was a soft fork at some point that restricted uh, the size of signatures in the consensus rules. But you, again, because it was a soft fork, your old node would be fine with the new rules, but... Um, it would not detect a violation of the new rules if somebody produced a signature that we no longer consider invalid. But Is, there was, again, a transition period, I think, in might have been 2013 or even 2015, where this was actually a problem for people who were compiling their own nodes. They actually had to be careful um, to, when they compile their own nodes, to either use an old version of OpenSSL or um, uh, apply a little patch to a Bitcoin Core that would work around the newer versions of OpenSSL.
0: Right. Is this, does this have anything to do with the 2013 blockchain split that actually happened for like six blocks?
1: No, that was the one we just talked about. That was a Berkeley DB.
0: Oh, that was a Berkeley DB problem. And Ah. I think
1: this is later. This, I think this is 2015, but I'm not sure. Uh, In any case, this was a problem in reality. For people who compile their own nodes, it was not a problem for people who download the nodes because the downloaded versions would either would all have the old version of OpenSSL in it, or the newer version would have the workaround in it. Right. So it was never a problem when you download Bitcoin Core. It is a problem when you uh, compile it yourself, and it was even a problem back then.
0: Right. Uh, at the risk of getting sidetracked a little bit, would it be possible to, you know, basically rebuild an old client? also using like an old library, I guess you'd have to find it somewhere and that's the hard part then or?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, a lot of the open source libraries are still available somewhere. It gets a bit more, I think uh, that's what Jameson did. He did, he installed like a super old version of Ubuntu and then tried to also find some of the very old packages. But the problem is, of course, most operating systems that you would be building on will have the most recent versions of the libraries. And obviously you do not want to actually use a computer with an outdated version of OpenSSL. Because you'd have heart bleeds and, and all these like very bad security vulnerabilities on your computer. But there, there are ways to do it, even sane way, safe ways to do it. Um, yeah. Right. So this, this is a problem for, say, an historian, like a thousand years from now. Uh, if you're a historian and you want to really study Bitcoin in the old days, you're going to have a problem. Because a thousand years from now, you'll probably still find the, the old source code of Bitcoin. But in order to... Do but you'll have a very hard time building a computer, even a virtual computer, that will behave the same as a as a as a computer from today.
0: Right. So we've now discussed three reasons why old nodes stalled. I think there were three, right? Have we covered them all? Yeah. Right. So and uh, just to re- reiterate, in two of these cases, they were actually bugs in the old code and or essentially, right. Compared to... You, you can't sync to new blocks because... Uh, do you, do we call them bugs? I I would. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so in two cases, there were actually old bugs and old code that just weren't revealed until, you know, much later when no one was using it anymore, essentially. And then in one case, it was because of the dependency changed. Yeah. And the old code would have actually synced to the new blockchain. Yeah. All right. N- let's get into the next part of the podcast then, which is uh, syncing. So, syncing is probably one of the main user experience bottlenecks. Can we call it that? Like, Yeah, because
1: them... it's the first thing you do when you install Bitcoin, when you install Bitcoin Core. it's And the first thing you do is sit and wait for a long time. Yeah. And so, that's it's not a great experience. Yeah. Unless re- you really like progress bars.
0: Yeah, and the reason for that is, of course, because you're essentially rechecking or learning about the entire history of the blockchain. You're downloading and checking the entire history of the blockchain in order to get up to date with, you know, where are, what's the state of Bitcoin today? Who owns what?
1: Exactly. And in earlier episodes, we've talked about some ways to either speed that up or to skip it altogether with things like assume UTXO, but for now, uh, and probably for the foreseeable future, yeah, you need to check every single block, not just to know if it's correct, even just to know which coins actually exist. Right, and the goal for every new Bitcoin
0: Core release is essentially to make this a bit faster, I think, or you know, not for
1: every Bitcoin Core release, but this 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 overarching this this repeating theme. It's not even a goal; it's just that it gets better, you know, very often with little changes or with bigger changes. Yeah,
0: well, actually, when we say better, faster. Yeah, well, when we say faster, um, and I guess this is part of the research, the thing is, every by the time there's a new Bitcoin Core release, the blockchain itself has also become bigger. Yes. So does it actually take more time year over year to sync, or do the performance improvements keep up? That's sort of one of the questions. I, that I think I guess... there
1: have been times when the performance <clears throat> improvements kept up. I don't think that's the case anymore. Right. Um. So, it's, it, it is getting worse. So, there's a couple of things that are good. Yeah, there's Moore's Law. That means new hardware is just faster. So if you have a new computer, you'll sync faster. If you have more RAM, you'll sync faster. Of if you course, have a yeah. faster disk. And the other is these improvements. But in the long run, and yeah, it's, it's very hard for them. I think it, when I looked at it in 2017, it was basically just almost constant. Despite dramatic improvements in the performance of the code, it was just getting, um, it was taking just about as long. But of course the the hardware is getting faster too. And, you know, when Jameson and I were running these tests, we were running the same modern hardware to run the tests on just to have a bit of a fair comparison. But I think, you know, people like Luke Dasher have have done projections on it like how long is it going to take until it actually starts getting faster just based on Moore's law and I think the estimates are like 2040 or later when this growth in the blockchain is no longer as bad. They won't outpace anymore the Moore's law.
2: Yo, what is going on, guys? We are proud to have Voltage as a sponsor of this episode. How many of you developers out there have wanted a streamlined infrastructure provider for your particular project? Well, I'll tell you what. Voltage is the Bitcoin infrastructure provider you have been looking for that makes building on Bitcoin quick and easy, whether it's Bitcoin nodes, Lightning nodes, BTC pay, and so much more. But don't take it from me. Just ask the guys over at Amboss, Sphinx, Podcast Index, and Thunder Games, and so many others that you guys already know and love. Their enterprise-grade products make it fast and easy to build, deploy, and scale your next project. So make it easy on yourself. Even Normie Plebs can use the dashboard or API. Don't wait before the next block confirmation. Let your team focus on building great products and let Voltage handle all the rest. Voltage is your go-to zero management Bitcoin infrastructure solution. Yo, what is going on, plubs? We're going to take a break from our programming to tell you about the resurrection of our print magazine, starting with the El Salvador issue. Starting this fall, Bitcoin Magazine will be available on newsstands nationwide and at retail stores such as Barnes & Noble. Don't want to get off your couch, though? No problem. You can also go to store.bitcoinmagazine.com. So skip the line and get each issue shipped directly to your front door with our annual subscription. I'm talking four issues a year that contain exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actual insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, along with powerful photos and artwork from the best artists in the world. Subscribe today and get 21% off using code podcast at checkout. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast at checkout.
0: Okay, sure. So tell our listeners something interesting <laughs> about this. How long does it take to think?
1: So that really depends on uh, your computer and and how well you configure it, the Bitcoin Core Note. So with the default settings, it's not as fast as it can be. Um, there was a, a test by Jonas Schnelli, a Bitcoin Core former Bitcoin Core developer and a maintainer, and he, I think, two years ago, he got a Apple M1 chip, so one of those Mac Minis, uh, but he only had four gigabytes of RAM. And the first time he tried it, he was able to sync the whole chain in twelve hours, I think. And then somebody suggested a few um, better settings to him, and it was six hours. So that was like state-of-the-art hardware, six hours, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he had used more RAM, he might have been able to do it a little bit faster, maybe in four hours. But, but if you have a super slow Raspberry Pi, it might take you two or three weeks. Sure. And, and, what and if, if you're running, a, say, a web server, so one of, you know if you say you want to install a BTC Pay server somewhere, uh, and you want on that server to sync the node from scratch, it's going to it's gonna take you weeks because these web servers typically are very low performance. They're, they're once it's caught up, it's fine. Like it'll it'll catch up with all the new blocks. But catching it up from the genesis block, it has low memory. Usually, only has like one or two CPUs, uh, and it's all virtual, so that's pretty horrible.
0: Yeah, this is one of these things that you really kind of want to see in a graph. Uh, and I'll I'll try to remember to include the links to the actual blog posts in the show notes but can you tell us anything interesting about the improvements over the years yeah like pretty, how, how pretty, much has it improved or pretty
1: dramatic so one of the imp- like i think jameson found like a factor of 40 depending on how you measure it
0: 40 since one
1: since since these very old versions
0: since like 2012 point, point four or whatever yeah. yeah okay
1: but it's probably more than that and there's there's a couple of reasons some i mean some you might call cheating but it's not because it Actually improves the experience for the users. So we we did a, an episode about assume valid, which is where uh, we basically the developers pick a block that's before a release, and then the Bitcoin Core node doesn't verify the signatures up until that block It verifies everything else, but not the signatures, and that saves like a, I don't know, factor two at least. Yeah, well, to I I
0: wouldn't call that cheating, but it's definitely a shortcut.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you can turn it off if you don't like it for, for all these reasons. Um, but it, it speeds things up a lot. Um, another improvement was uh, well we talked about it level DB. So switching from Berkeley DB, the database that had all these problems, but it was also slower to level DB. By the way, um, you you just mentioned sorry I'm yep. interrupting
0: you but on the previous point, uh, you mentioned assume valid, but Jameson actually did not uh, no use exactly assume valid right? He he intentionally left that out for the reason that it is a shortcut. And he wants to make a fair comparison, which I think was that that's how. Yeah, it's so a reasonable it. thing, and that's also what I did. So, so, so you mentioned a 40x improvement, but that's without assume valid. So, with assume valid, it would be even more. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah,
1: I think so. And I, I did that in my blog post from 2017. I, I did two things. I think I showed the difference between assume valid and not assume valid, and it was quite dramatic. And then I also showed the differences, you know, with assume valid turned off, between the old, older and the newer versions, which was also dramatic. So in terms of things that were improved, like we said, assume valid level DB. Uh, another thing is, uh, this is done many, many years ago, uh, validating signatures in parallel. So if you're, if you're validating a block, one of the things you need to do is actually check the signatures. And if you have multiple processor cores on your computer, which you probably do, uh, one of the improvements was just to make these multiple processors verifying multiple signatures at the same time. Right, uh, so that
0: obviously doesn't help if you use Assume Valid, or at least it doesn't help until that exactly. Assume Valid. But after after that, it works, or if you have Assume Valid yeah. switched off, then it in, helps in, as In well. general,
1: when you're syncing the node, you'll notice with the default settings, you'll notice in the beginning it's mostly disk usage, um, and then after a while, your CPU starts getting really hot. That's uh, When you go past the Assume Valid block, your CPU starts running at 100% and gets really hot. Right. Because then it has to valid- validate all these signatures. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that was done that was probably at least marginal, but maybe even more, is just the download blocks in par- download blocks in parallel. So rather than you know getting one block at a time, you, you would get more of them at the same time from multiple peers. Right. Um, the, we talked about that. The the other I think is almost a five x improvement was getting rid of OpenSSL and using Lipsec B two fifty six k one. That we did a whole episode on.
0: Oh yeah, so we haven't mentioned that, but so that's an entirely like that's a Bitcoin native uh, library, right? Or yeah, a, basically, am I describing that's right?
1: Yeah, it's it's basically instead of using OpenSSL for all the signatures, uh, it, it uses Libsecp, which uh, Peter Weiler wrote at the time, and and it was initially designed as a as a performance improvement, but it also helped dealing with these bugs that we just talked about. So kind of nice. Uh, yeah. Two, so two so we got
0: rid of OpenSSL altogether, and that's also an impo- uh, performance improvement. It's also faster.
1: Yes, exactly. Another thing that happened in I think 2017 was that the UTXO database, just the database structure was changed. It's in the way it was. You know, if you if you structure a database in a more intelligent way, it can perform better. Right. Um. That I think was in turn the cause of this very scary inflation bug in 2018 Mm -hmm. so you know it's nice to improve performance but you want to be extremely careful but i think this this performance improvement was actually necessary because the performance was so bad that somebody could attack bitcoin by exploiting the bad performance right how by just creating very unfavorable transactions so that nodes get slower and slower and slower
0: Would Oh, yeah, that would get so slow that it takes longer to verify a block than to create a block, essentially. I guess that that would be the
1: absolute worst case. I don't, I mean, not to, I mean, yeah, blocks come in every 10 minutes. So if a node cannot verify a block within 10 minutes, you're doomed. I don't think it was that bad.
0: Well, there were some um, older clients. I read this maybe in a Reddit comment behind under one of these blog posts that some of the very old clients would actually have that problem now that I, they yeah, I would they not. couldn't sync because it just takes too long to ver- to, you know, download and verify a block, and by that time there's more blocks.
1: Yeah, I would not be surprised. And keep in mind that these would also be running on older hardware, right? So if if you right. if you started a node and you put it in your nuclear bunker. And you can't get back into your nuclear bunker, then at some point it's just not going to be able to keep up anymore. Um, but, you know, uh, let's see another one. There's a, lots of very small improvements. There's not even a complete list of them. But, like, for example, part of the block consists of checking hashes. This is SHA-256 hashes. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that many modern computer chips have special instructions on them to do SHA-256. And they don't have those instructions because the chip makers like Bitcoin, but because SHA-256 is used in a lot of places. Right. And and so if you use, if you actually take advantage of those special instructions, which involves writing some machine code, uh, then it'll get faster. And I think very recently, one of those things was done for um, ARMv8 chips, which are used in Raspberry Pis, but also used in the Apple M1 chip. So that'll probably speed it up. But you're talking more. about yeah.
0: hardware now. What well, Has there been Bitcoin Core code release that takes advantage of this.
1: Yeah, exactly. So so yeah, so when when a specific chip imp- has a feature that could make bitcoin core faster, then bitcoin core developers could if they want to write special machine code for that chip. So the the software when you compile it will just check whether or not you have this chip. Um, and
0: and they did or you you're not sure?
1: Yeah, they have. I mean, right. it's been done over time for different chips, for different optimizations. Got it. Right. So the most recent one I'm aware of is for this ARM v8, which I think is what's used by uh, by the Apple M1 and by many modern modern Raspberry Pis, maybe not the old ones. Um another thing, I don't know, some some magic math thing in uh P that made 15% faster signature validation. Um, those things I can't review them because I just see magic. Yeah. The right. only thing I can see is like, hey, the test still pass, <laughs> and I can still sync the blockchain without getting a consensus error. So I guess it's correct. I think uh, SegWit could be considered uh, an improve. Well... No, it made, it's a mitigation of not making it worse. So the block size was increased with SegWit, but the damage caused by that block size increase was mitigated because the SegWit rules... Um, put some restrictions on the transaction they can put into it. Because basically I think there's some things that you can do in transactions that take quadratic time to validate. So if if you add five of these things, it's 25 times more expensive to verify it. And I think Segwit got rid of those problems so that you can double the block size and only double the time it takes to validate rather than quadruple or, you know, Right. Eight acts of time it takes right. Well, that
0: that's not what I was referring to. The, uh, what I was referring to, actually, this was one of the things that Lop mentioned in his blog post. Is that actually older nodes will sync faster post the the SegWid activation point.
1: Well, because they don't and, verify any of the signatures for SegWit.
0: Right. But it still counts, don't you think? Well, it's also kind of a shortcut, but.
1: Yeah, but I mean, if, if you want to go that route, I can think of some even scarier proposals where we just, you know, make all the blocks empty for all nodes and just put the real transaction somewhere else. That's
0: Well, yeah, now that you mentioned empty blocks, that's also maybe interesting to mention. Is that's that
1: definitely that a way to make really fast validation.
0: At the first, I think, 200,000 blocks, so basically the first four years. For the first four years, it doesn't really matter that much which node you're running because all blocks were empty and an- anyways, right?
1: Yeah, I'm sure it got a little bit better. The- the newer nodes are even better at running through empty blocks. Yeah, but... But n- generally, when you start up a node, the first couple hundred thousand blocks will fly by in 15 minutes, and then it just starts taking a really long time. Yeah,
0: exactly. All yeah. right, well, so you've listed a number of performance improvements over time. Um, yeah. And, and do you want to keep going?
1: No, that was the whole list I had. Okay. But there's probably more out there.
0: Yeah, Bitcoin Core developers are squeaking out quizzing out new improvements yeah but in it's instance, getting so. more
1: and more marginal I mean if you if you make a 5% improvement but the chain gets 20% bigger then well, it's not enough okay sure as well I guess that's the
0: podcast then or not
1: yep I think so so thank you for listening to Bitcoin Explained there you go